Welcome to the podcast. We are speaking with Tim O'Hara uh, in Costa Rica, co-founder of Rancho Mastatal, which is based in the town of Mastatal, bordering on one of the last remaining virgin rainforests in the country. Costa Rica, as you know, is one of the most sustainable, responsible countries globally. Tim contributes in a fantastic way. He's got an eco-lodge. He does permaculture projects, apprenticeships, agroforestry, bamboo management, much more. On top of that, he also finds the time to be the vice president of the Mastati Charitable Foundation. It's an entirely different entity based in the US. So fantastic to have him as guest on the podcast. I'm really honored. You can find all the links in the show notes on his website. That's ranchomastatal.com. And that's one word. And on our website, that's podcasts.earth. And without further ado, here's Tim. I'm speaking with uh, Tim uh, O'Hara, and uh, Tim is the founder of Rancho uh, Mastatal. Um, do, is, is there a different uh, pronunciation for that, or is it about right? Yeah, no, that's correct. Uh, Rancho Mastatal. Rancho Mastatal. And um, besides that, you're also the vice president of a totally different entity uh, based in the United States, Mastate, a charitable foundation. Correct so far, or...? Yes, that's correct. Okay, brilliant. And from your website and uh, from a few articles that I read, um, there's quite a lot going on. That's the uh, Rancho Mastatal uh, Educational Center, uh, Permaculture Farm, Eco Lodge, uh, Community Rooted in Environmental Sustainability. Uh, obviously, it's in Costa Rica, and Costa Rica is well known uh, for its sustainability. It actually, in 2019, uh, was awarded uh, champions of the earth by the United Nations uh, environmental uh, program. Uh, so it's, it's it's basically it's well known for its uh, for its efforts there. Do you when something like that is awarded, do you see an influx from people coming to Costa Rica, or does it make little difference? You know, I don't I don't really know. I don't keep up with the stats in that regard. I would mm-hmm. assume that the answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you know, I don't know statistically what what that shows. And, and um, from what I understand, uh, you uh, co-founded uh, Rancho Mastatal a while ago um, with, with your partner, Robin, um, uh, about 20 years ago, uh, something like that? Or Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we started, we founded the, uh, the business in 2000 and then opened our doors in 2001. So that's 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 quite a long time already. You're still enjoying Costa Rica, I take it. Uh, my, my my I haven't been there myself, but my fiance has been there, and she absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. I remember so. Yeah, very much so. It's it's a place that's felt more and more like home, and and a place that we increasingly appreciate uh, to be living. Right. And do you still go back to the United States to other countries where you have been previously, or do you stay there pretty much permanently? We're here most of the time, but we do go back to the United States uh, more or less once a year. And we have a 12-year-old daughter, and that is an effort to, you know, to stay connected to, to family back in the U.S. and make sure that she has the opportunity to spend time with her aunts and uncles and grandmothers and, and cousins. And so we do, yeah, keep one foot. Uh, in the U.S., but we spend the vast majority of our time here in Mastata. And um, the Ma- Mastata is, is basically um, a city. Uh, from what I, I looked on the map, uh, roughly 
40 kilometers uh, southwest of San Jose, the capital, and it's about 20 kilometers from the coast. And it's right next to a national park, right? Um, I don't know how to pronounce that one, but uh, La Cangregia, is that is that about it? Or? Yeah, that's correct. Our property borders a national park named La Cangregia. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, yeah, Mastatal is a small rural community of only about a 110 people so it's uh, i wouldn't define it as a city okay um just it's just a small rural community here mm -hmm. uh like you said uh, north of the central pacific coast and you yourself before you arrived there in costa rica you went all over the place to travel in latin america um volunteer in uruguay i read as well and you were a travel guide in mexico canada united states uh, before that how did you end up in Costa Rica and why did you decide to stay there, if I may ask? Yeah, my wife and I met in Uruguay in South America. Mm -hmm. We were both uh, United States Peace Corps volunteers, so we spent about two and a half years there. We moved back to the United States after our time there uh, had ended. We both speak fluent Spanish. We enjoyed our uh, experience in South America and we're always open to the possibility of returning someday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we got jobs in the U.S. and settled into Seattle in the northwestern part of the U.S. And after a few years of uh, being a little bit disheartened with our realities there, we started to look at other options and, and started to brainstorm some ways that we could uh, live somewhere we, where we could lead a more meaningful life and mm -hmm. make financial ends meet. And that uh, eventually brought us to Costa Rica, a place geographically that was still somewhat accessible to our families in the U.S., but uh, in Latin America, a place that uh, we were open to returning. And um, we were told about this specific property by a friend and came down here and really loved what we saw and started to put together some ideas on how we could uh, set up shop here, start a business, and, and start uh, that next chapter of our lives. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about um, Rancho Mastatal and um, wh well, what are you trying to accomplish there? Because you said you um, that the property was recommended to you by friends. And what, what is it exactly that you're trying to accomplish and how do you do it? Yeah, as you suggested, it's a pretty dynamic, diverse project. The idea initially was to create an educational space where people could come and learn and teach about a wide array of topics uh, related to sustainability and permaculture. Mm -hmm. When my wife and I started looking for places to go and and learn some of the skills that we were becoming increasingly interested, we found that we couldn't find too many places like that. And so we thought that um, there might be a, an opportunity for us to create such a space based on the fact that we felt that there were increasing numbers of people looking for this type of experiential education as it related to sustainability. So um, we decided to to start this business here. It's uh, it's a, you know it's much more than an than an education center. We also had the goals of conservation and mm -hmm. community development. Um, and so our property is made up mostly uh, of conserved land. We set most of it aside as a private wildlife refuge. And our property, you know, borders uh, kind of the front doorstep of the small community of Mastatal, which allows us to really be involved quite intimately in the economic development of this region. So we uh, have a year-long apprenticeship. We offer workshops in a, 
in a variety of topics um, such as natural building, agroforestry, uh, wilderness first response, um, bamboo building, permaculture, um, natural medicines, fermentation, and more. We also receive guests and tourists who come through who are interested in enjoying the nature here as well as learning about permaculture and some of these other topics. Mm -hmm. And then we host groups, uh, college students, university groups, and other gap year programs that come through and participate in our custom design educational programming. Um, more to it than that, we're also, you know, working farm. We're growing as much food um, as we can, and we're a you know full time community. There's people that uh, live and work here um, year round. So your food is all sourced from uh, from the local area, basically. About 90% of our calories come from uh, either our farm or mm -hmm. local farms. Within about 20 kilometers, we're able to source almost uh, all of our all of our food. Right, because I saw somewhere on your website that you uh, do not own a can opener and you do not own a, a microwave. So <laughs> this one is quite extraordinary, actually. So all the, all the food, and 95% or so, 90% is coming from, from the region. Yeah, we're very fortunate to still live in a somewhat food secure area. There's still a fair amount of farming going on here and mm -hmm. we've worked hard to develop relationships with the local farmers and producers uh, as a way of, um, you know, providing for our uh, food needs at the same time supporting uh, local farmers and the local economy in an effort to uh, to support that. Right, and and I um, uh, you mentioned just now uh, permaculture. You also mentioned uh, bamboo um, permaculture. Mm -hmm. What what is uh, permaculture, and what is permaculture design, and what is the course uh, exactly that you um, that you have in place from your side? Yeah, permaculture design is made up of some ethics and principles that help guide a process uh, for people to uh, develop their um, their projects, their land, their home, their lives um, in a way that uh, respects the earth, uh, respects the fair distribution of resources, and respects all people. So it was. Uh, the idea was developed uh, in the early 1970s in Australia and has since um, gained a lot of popularity worldwide. And essentially, it's a framework that allows people to kind of go through a step-by-step -step process, um, including a variety of methodologies to help guide the process of growing food, uh, building shelter, mm -hmm. uh, and meeting our basic uh, needs in a way that is responsible and uh kind to the planet. So the course is a, the standard course is a 14-day certification class that mm -hmm. is recognized globally now. There's, you know, hundreds of them offered throughout the world uh, each year. And we've been hosting the PDC uh, now, I think, since 2005. And it's become kind of one of the pillars of our educational programming. Okay, and, and you, you mentioned uh, building shelter as well, and I saw that you use clay, you use natural uh, grasses, also bamboo uh, mm -hmm. as well. And I did a, a podcast um, uh, earlier, uh, well, last year, uh, with Hans Friedrich uh, of the European Bamboo Plantation Program. So, um, very interesting, I must say. Um, how, how, how does that? Uh, what does that entail with yourself, uh, the bamboo natural building construction course? 
Yeah, we're, I think we're kind of known as the leaders in the natural building movement here in, in this region of the world. It's something we've dedicated a lot of time and energy to. Mm -hmm. uh, we use a lot of earth, a lot of clay that comes, you know, right from the soils here under our feet. Uh, we use the, the timber resources as well. We're still fortunate to live in an area with uh, healthy forests. And then increasingly, we're uh, harvesting, treating, and using our own bamboo. When we arrived in 2001, we started to plant some uh, clumping timber species of bamboo uh, around our farm. And um, we're managing those clumps and uh, actively uh, treating and and uh, using those resources as you said it's a grass it's an incredibly versatile strong uh, beautiful resource yeah. uh, just a couple of weeks ago we harvested yeah, about uh, 70 sticks and mm -hmm. we treat it uh, right here on site dry it store it and then use it for uh, for our buildings do you use it um, only uh, for your own buildings or do you also uh basically uh, sell it or pass it on to the local communities? We do sell some of it. Most of it is used here on our farm or locally. Uh, we do take orders from people occasionally to uh, to sell it, but uh, mainly it's just uh, for use here. And something maybe interesting to add as well, some of the species that we do use for building are also great sources of food. Bamboo shoots can be a, a really important food source. So uh, um, that that's interesting also to, to to add and for people to know. Absolutely, absolutely. And I saw somewhere that um, obviously it, the, the whole farm must be uh, economically uh, uh, viable. And I read mm -hmm. on your site as well um, that your systems are cost-effective, but on top of that, they're replicable. So that means that um, obviously you're an example uh, for uh, other farms and other places around the world. Have you, have you had feedback uh, on that front uh, from anyone or...? You know, we are, I guess, uh, a unique business in that we are kind of working on the alternative front at the same time, you know, trying to function within a, uh, an economic paradigm that, that exists in the world today. So that can be a tricky balance sometimes to, to meet. Mm -hmm. um, I think people really need to be creative in finding kind of a niche, uh, a specialty that is able to provide enough revenue to to meet the needs of the of the team of the business to be able to pay taxes employ local people mm -hmm. um and i do think it it does uh, take a bit of creativity for people to to figure out what you know what they're able to to do um but what i will say is that you know with the pandemic and and well before that i i do believe that there's an increasing interest in this type of lifestyle and and natural products and uh, experiential education and a lot of what we're doing. So I think this type of project will become increasingly uh, viable for more and more people. We, ha we have a, you know, a, a hyper-local focus. Um, that's what we really um, you know, focus on. We don't have easy access to markets based on our our rural setting and so for us education and natural beauty seem to be the uh, the attractions that we identify to get people through our doors and i think you know for small business owners to determine what works best for them it is a process of really analyzing where they're at and what they're doing and what they're good at and using some of these 
you know, permaculture principles to really determine uh, what, you know, what a person's or business strengths are and then, um, you know, move uh, in a step-by-step um, directed process to, you know, to figure out what it is um, that people can be doing to, to make it work economically. Because if it doesn't work economically, of course, then mm-hmm. a business like this doesn't stay around for very long. And yeah. that's uh, an important piece. It sounds incredibly rewarding, uh, I must say. Yeah, it's a, it's been an extremely fulfilling lifestyle. Um, it's also one that sometimes is romanticized. So I also think it's important, too, that that people do understand that to engage in in a lifestyle like this does require as well, you know, hard work and sweat, mm-hmm. a little bit of blood and some tears and, you know, perhaps a few sacrifices, especially those of us that are coming uh, from a, a culture that might enjoy uh, more conveniences. There mm-hmm. is that, that reality that, uh, you know, living out here uh, does require some lifestyle changes that m- might take a little bit of time and effort. Fair enough. Well, you've been there twenty years, so I'm sure that's uh, that, that at certain points you get over that, right? Or? I think so, and you start to realize that the benefits, the long-term benefits of health, and um, and just you know being able to grow your own food and the skills that you build to take care of yourself and your family far, far outweigh the the conveniences that that we give up, and and you realize that food is medicine and that your work is your gym membership and that uh, the lifestyle here really is a, is a great antidote to a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the, the behaviors and lifestyle choices that we follow in the U.S. that end up, you know, leading to poor health and to emotional anxiety and to, and to uh, situations that people find themselves trying to escape from increasingly. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned a healthy lifestyle, and uh, obviously in in the US, um, there's there's plenty of uh, high high end hospitals. If you might get ill at a certain point, um, have you thought about that? Mm-hmm. Is Costa Rica well well provided in that sense, or? Yeah, yes. Um, relatively speaking, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost, we do you know try to take care of ourselves. We don't have a hospital near nearby, so it is important. To keep that in mind, uh, but generally speaking, Costa Rica has invested heavily in their healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Um, you may know that there is no standing army here in yeah. Costa Rica. Has invested a lot of those resources that otherwise would be spent on the military to to really um, uh, develop strong educational systems and healthcare systems, and so. Uh, the healthcare here is affordable and uh, of good quality, and generally speaking, um, very good for the region. Okay, and um, obviously the pandemic—you mentioned that as well earlier. Has it affected uh, your business? Has it affected anyone in your in your neighborhood? Um, or? Yeah, yes, indeed, um, the pandemic has has impacted uh, negatively Costa Rica on a lot of levels. Tourism essentially mm-hmm. dried up to nothing, and Costa Rica depends uh, quite a bit on on the tourist dollar and ecotourism. Yeah. Um, so that essentially disappeared from one day to the next. Um, generally speaking, the Costa Rican government, I think, reacted uh, in, a, in a really possible, notable way. Um, they've been trying to take care of their citizenry and 
um, have implemented programs that, that are helping to support people that are suffering economically, but certainly unemployment has risen. And um, there have been, um, yeah, a lot of issues that uh, have related to, to the pandemic that are um, that are impacting families in a really negative way. Our, you know, our business um, was was hit hard, just like most other ecotourism businesses here. We were fortunate to have been here for 20 years. I, I feel in some ways our business model has had us preparing for situations like this. Um, we've been planting increasing amounts of food and and trying to be as self-sustainable as possible from a communal level. So. I think we were able to weather the storm yep. uh, a little bit better than than some, and and now we're seeing that things are starting to to come back a little bit. And we did have to let go of some of our local staff um, to be able to make ends meet financially. Sure. Um, we're hoping that everything starts to uh, to come back, and and you know, with the vaccine, perhaps we'll start seeing some semblance of normalcy return. Although I, I guess I'll add it, I would prefer personally not to see everything return to exactly the same. <laughs> I think the pandemic has provided us with this gift of being able to re-envision and rethink how uh, we want this world to be. And, and that's something that, that we did uh, really appreciate from this past year, just having the opportunity to really look deeper into our systems and, and kind of revalue and reimagine what we want this place and this community to look like moving forward. You have a very positive uh, outlook. Um, uh, that, that, that is uh, great. Do you have any predictions what might happen uh, besides that people think in a different way about, uh, about systems, about traveling, about being responsible? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think people, some people at least are, are ready to get back to, you know, getting out of their homes. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what the experts are saying with regards to, an increase in tourism. Anecdotally, you know, we we are receiving a lot of emails and a lot of in inquiries and uh, a lot of interest in all of our programs on the docket for 2021. Our workshops are are filling up quickly, and we seem to just be getting a lot of emails from people that really have become increasingly aware of the changes that they would like to implement in their lives based on the fact that they've had a bit more time to look deeper into what it is that this world is experiencing. And so I think, you know, businesses like ours will enjoy uh, a little bit of a, a bump mm -hmm. and there will be, you know, a, a, I think a lot of interest um, because people need some guidance in that process of kind of, you know, engaging in a new way of living. And I think places like this will, uh, see a, a bit of an increase in in demand uh, on that front, and I think in general, yeah, people are chomping at the bit to get out of their living rooms and come to a warm place, especially Definitely. as winter settles in and the temperate climates. And I think Costa Rica slowly will rebound, and as everyone gets vaccinated, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know if it'll come back to the same levels it was a few years back, but I think people will be looking for more eco-friendly and, and sustainable destinations um, as a result. 
Yeah, I definitely uh, agree, and I'm I'm very happy for you. That's uh, it's uh, basically that your programs are filling up as well. That's good news, I would say. Um, then obviously you do two things. Hey, eh? this seems like uh, a lot of work for you already. But um, as you mentioned already, totally different entity based from the US, the uh, Mastata Charitable Foundation, a non-profit organization. Um, seems to be very much related to what you do as well. Hey? Or am I totally wrong? No, it definitely does. Um... When we started doing community development work, when we first got here in 2001, it, uh, we started this on a, you know, on a bare bones budget. Um, we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants early on and community development was a really important piece of our project. And we were, um, you know, starting initiatives in the community to show the community that, uh, we were here for the right reasons and that we wanted to support them in in every way possible, but it, became uh, slowly a burden to the finances of our of our um, you know of our new uh, small business and so in 2004 we decided to set up a nonprofit organization to be able to do some fundraising um, to be able to kind of have a separate entity to be able to engage in these community projects without putting a burden on the finances of all our small business so we formed the nonprofit, the Mastate Charitable Foundation, and that gave people that were interested in our work here a, a place to to donate money to if they wanted to support the community that they visited. Um, and that's been now, you know, well over, you know, 10 years, 15 years now that we have been able to, through the nonprofit, fund a wide variety of projects in the community that relate to education, uh, social development, and uh, the environment. Um, you know, there's many examples that I can uh, note. The, probably the, the biggest project that we have undertaken so far has been the, the building of a, a library in the middle of our community on community land. Uh, it's called the Community Learning and Sharing Center, and that's now a public space um, that houses uh, many books, uh, a play area for kids, and basically just a communal space for people to use for meetings and uh, a variety of activities that take place here in the community. Right. And you say fundraising that goes via the Facebook page, I saw, or is there a different, uh, different way to do that? Yeah, the Mastate Charitable Foundation is a nonprofit organization that is under the umbrella of a, a larger nonprofit called the Marion Institute, mm-hmm. and they're based in Massachusetts, Massachusetts. and they okay. basically help us with our our bookkeeping and sending out thank yous and and basically just uh, helping us with the administrative. Um, responsibilities and our uh, page, the page for the Mastate Charitable Foundation can be found um, as a greenhouse initiative at the Marion Institute website, which is just marioninstitute.org. Right. Okay. And then, you know, last topic really is a lot of articles nowadays about uh, Costa Rica, uh, all talking about uh, Pura Vida pledge, uh, making a sustainable difference. Um, yeah, that's coming from Travel Media, uh, Globe Trender. We have articles from Matador Network. They say that if 10% of the tourist emissions calculated uh, were offset, then there will be an annual benefit of roughly two, two, three million um, would be achieved, and that could be uh, used to fund and um, uh, to implanting of trees, support agroforestry systems. Um, what do you think about this? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say that this isn't my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. I think on paper it sounds it sounds great. I, I don't know the specifics of who would be planting those trees and who would be supporting. I, I do think it's important um, that uh, that that information is is made available to people. I, mm-hmm. From experience, I know that planting trees here in the tropics is not just a matter of dropping a seed on the ground and waiting for it to become an enormous um, uh, rainforest tree a few years later. It does take a lot of dedication, uh, a lot of maintenance, a lot of care. And so um, I'm hoping that whatever organizations that they're working with on these agroforestry and tree planting efforts are organizations that are truly dedicated to the reforestation of, of the world. And, and if that's the case, um, that's a wonderful way to go about it, and there's a, a lot of ways to do that, and ours really is a local effort, like I said, so mm-hmm. I don't know about these larger initiatives uh, personally, but certainly think it's a step in the right direction, sure. and if it can sure. be verified and validated, then um, you know there's a lot of ways to, to, to look at tackling this and improving the situation that we're in, and we have to, uh, to look at, at ways how everybody can, can contribute in the ways that we can. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you yourself, you, you, you're involved with uh, bamboo, um, which is extremely sustainable. Um, you also involved with uh, reforestation? or uh, Because you're right next to a pristine uh, rainforest, from what I hear, so it's not really necessary to um, plant trees there, right? So, um, well, there is, and we have done a lot of reforestation in the region. Puriscal okay. County, where Mastatal is located, is one of the most deforested areas of all of Central America. So we're fortunate to be neighbors with the national park but that really is the last remnant of primary forest left in in this part of costa rica and so reforestation efforts certainly are important and costa rica has done an exemplary job of bringing its forests back um you know it really did have a severe issue with deforestation until they started to to really put programs in place and and change the mindset of the people to bring the Bring the forest back. So, um, reforestation, I think, is a is a really important part of it. Um, most of our property is already protected as a private wildlife refuge. That's something that that we did when we first got here to assure that the existing forests here mm-hmm. remain standing. And um, and yeah, there's still a lot of work to do in this region, uh, not only here in Costa Rica, but certainly in in many of the neighboring countries and and as you said bamboo a couple of times i think mm-hmm. bamboo really has a role to play as well as a as a fast growing grass with so many uses it really is just an incredible resource that we continue to embrace uh more and more um as a way of keeping the forest standing if we can use the bamboo that we have to build with and that puts less pressure on the timber resources for construction and i think uh yeah, has a very important role in this conversation. Right, that's a very positive end note as well. Um, is there anything that you would like to to say uh, to anyone that's listening to the podcast and where can people find you? Yeah, well, people can find us uh, at our website at ranchomastatal.com. We have an, a- an active social media presence, um, mainly uh, through Instagram. Instagram, okay. And Facebook, um, we post uh, most every day there and have a very active following. Um, it's a great way to get to know more about what it is that we're doing. And, 
Yeah, I guess just the final message that I'd like to share as so many people out there are figuring out what to do uh, next. Um, yeah, I just can't uh, emphasize the importance uh, at this time to, to take action and get involved. And that can take many forms in many shapes. It doesn't have to be uh, starting an education center in the middle of the rainforest in the rural tropics. These changes take time and, and taking simple steps that are accessible to people are gateways into uh, starting to head down a, a more sustainable pathway. And uh, I think that we all need to start moving in that direction so that we can start correcting some of these um, problematic social and environmental issues that we're facing. And we're here to help with that journey. If anybody uh, would like to reach out to us uh, for advice, um, and uh, certainly uh, the time the time is ripe, and uh, hopefully this Absolutely. pandemic has has uh, put us all in, in a place to to really uh, get behind making some uh, some important changes. Very positive and very very nice indeed. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Much appreciated. Yeah, my pleasure. It's uh, it's been really nice speaking with you, and thank you for your work. That was a podcast with Tim O'Hara from Rancho Mastatal and also the Mastate Charitable Foundation, two different entities. I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can find the latest news on podcasts.earth. And you have been listening to Peter, Peter de Vries. Uh, thank you for doing so. And don't forget to tune in the next time. Thank you.